my name is Genesis Potini. Uh, I want to lead you all for the National Chess Championships in six weeks' time. Jim, <laughs> what are you doing? I can help them. They'll have a purpose. Doesn't matter if you're a pawn or a king or a bishop, you're all welcome to play on this board. This is the best thing that has ever happened to those kids. <laughs> Welcome to the NTZ of Film, a podcast about films with a New Zealand connection. I'm your co-host, Andy. And I'm your other co-host, Rajiv. This is Season 3, Cliff Notes. This is the NTZ of Film. With Andy and Rajiv. Uh, and welcome back. This is our final episode. Welcome to episode 10 of the Interzeta Film Season 3, Cliff Notes. Uh, well, our final our final film. Of Season 3, yeah. And it's uh, it's a good film. It's The Dark Horse, which is critically acclaimed. And in the studio, in Dan Slevin's studio, in fact, <laughs> is, is our guest Dan Slevin. Thank oh. you for having us in your studio. <laughs> Thank you for inviting me into my own studio. <laughs> You're very welcome. Uh, this, is, this is Rancho Notorious. It's like taking Rancho Notorious on the road without leaving home. That's right. Dan is the host of the Rancho Notorious podcast you can hear on Radio NZ. Uh, he's been a guest a for us in the past for season two. Hmm. Uh, and so we, we've, we're such a good guest, we have him back. He's the only guest we've had on twice so far. So I'm going to go into the synopsis quickly here. A brilliant but troubled New Zealand chess champion finds purpose by teaching underprivileged children about the rules of chess and life. I thought that was a nice, earnest sort of synopsis. It's from IMDb, nice short synopsis. Yeah. Uh, and Andy, do you want to give us in, get us into the, uh, the cliff roll? Well, so the cliff roll is the uh, eponymous dark horse uh, Genesis, a chess champion, or ex-chess champion, with some sort of mental illness which is never really described but i don't know it's it's not no the it's based on a true story of genesis person who Uh, had bipolar in this film is of course maori hooray clips playing a maori it's so exciting uh (laughs) (laughs) we have the special privilege of having dan sleeve another guest now dan has a quote on the cover of the dvd of this film which is exciting yeah it's i (laughs) I've, i've managed to make it onto the cover of I think three, but this is the only feature fiction feature film that I've managed to be be quoted on. But it's a, it's a slightly an inaccurate quote, in that um, yeah. in that it it I think it just says like Radio National or something. Yeah, it's just Radio National. Yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> I can't. They, they never check with you, do they? Like, I mean, how, they, at least they spelt my name right. <laughs> It's Wait, did they mean national radio or Rancho Notorious? No, then? this was this was at the, uh, during the period when I was uh, working. I was reviewing for Nine to Noon on uh, national radio RN, or RNZ National. That's right. It's uh, never been called national radio. <laughs> no, no, no. That's right. It, but no, it's everyone... also never been called Radio National. <laughs> no. uh, except that, but it, it, it would be confusing for. Uh, if you were an Australian publicist, because the ABC does have a Radio National, right, right, and, right, right, right. Uh, so RN is what they what they call it, um, is, is is one of the, one of their stations. Uh, so if you were the working for Transmission or whoever it is, uh, the Australasia New Zealand distribution That's conglomerate, right. uh, they may have just got confused there. But no, that was for nine to noon. So it was one of those uh, uh, film festival preview or film festival review um, slots that I did there. Um, now, nowadays, of course, uh, it seems so long ago, 2014. Nowadays, of course, uh, I don't review for Nine to Noon. I do a little film slot for Jesse Mulligan's afternoon show. That's right. Uh, for our international listeners, um, this is our, um, our publicly funded national broadcast system in New Zealand. Yeah, the only. The, the, only. the, the, the on, our only public broadcaster. That's correct. But We've just got their first, um, you know, more money and... Like yeah, we got a funding boost after eight years of nine years of um, of, 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 of frozen <laughs> yeah. funding. That's right. As this podcast records, not when it goes to air, though. But yeah, it's like not very yeah. timely. Um, I just wanted to get into. Uh, we'll go into budget just just briefly. So it's a three and a half million budget budget dollar film. So it's a pretty standard big budget New Zealand film. Um, I'd like to note here. Is that, that big? 
Well, yeah, three, to, New five, three to five. Yeah, that's, that's okay. pretty big. It says it's got a two million, it made $2 million in New Zealand box office, which is pretty huge for New Zealand, right? Like, it's a big deal when a movie makes one million in New Zealand. So this one made over two, which is great. This was a, and it, at the time, it was a, a big hit. Uh, full time for my confession, I had not seen this film until the book. <laughs> We started. I started watching it for this episode, which is embarrassing. Being a New Zealand filmmaker, I wanted to support local content. So you weren't one. You weren't. You didn't contribute to that box office. I did not. I am so sad to say, but I wish I had because I thought the film was phenomenal. I um, I loved it a lot. Uh, James Napier Robertson, who's the nephew of Marshall Napier, New Zealand actor from the eighties and nineties, is he? He is indeed, yeah. Uh, which is great because James Marshall Robinson, sorry, James Robinson, uh, started his career as an actor as well, uh, along with the producer of this this movie, Tom Hearn. They were both actors uh, back in the day. They were in a show called The Tribe. Oh, our, The Tribe. Our co-host Andrew James is also on The Tribe back in the day, weren't you, Andrew? Yes, yes, I was indeed. <laughs> Do you become? I believe I was a featured extra at one point. Do but. you become Andrew when we start? To, when, when when it's like giving you shit. <laughs> uh, I'm Andrew's oldest friend. I often call him Andrew. I'm a weirdo that way. <laughs> Is it? It's like it's it's like it's like when when um, your 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 grand well, well my grandmother calls me Daniel and you know you've got you're in trouble. I was about to say the only two people who call me Andrew is <laughs> Rajiv. Rajiv and my grandma. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I don't know what it is about. I don't know. I'm just a weirdo. Um, but but I just want to like the acting thing is interesting because this this is a film full of phenomenal performances and like these guys that are that are made this as an independent film, independent filmmakers like they're they're all about the performances and they come from an acting background. I, I just thought it was interesting that um, so many of the actors in this film were non actors like so many of the characters in this film. Araki. Oh, I was reading. Yeah, I was reading about Araki and I couldn't believe that this was his first. Time out because he was phenomenal. That's right. Wayne, yeah, that's Wayne, Wayne, Harpy. Wayne Harpy. And uh, I think it's to Cliff Curtis's eternal credit in this film that when he's sharing scenes with Wayne Harpy, he lets him he lets yeah. him become the like he steals every scene that he's in. And Cliff, who's the one of the producers on this film, lets him do it. <laughs> you know, and this is a film that was that is essentially set up as. Uh, a vehicle for Cliff's, uh, for 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 a lot of the talent of Cliff that we don't normally see or haven't seen on screen. It really is a chance for him to go in directions that uh, we're not used to uh, from him, and and then he has the film stolen from him That's by right. this first timer. <laughs> That's right. Um, um, I, was it in your review? You nom- uh, you mentioned the casting. What's the name? Um, Yvette. Yvette Reed. Reed yeah. was yeah. the the casting editor. She did a great job. In fact, she wrote she wrote the uh, she wrote the advert that was posted at Wins, our local um, social um, employment service, uh, that said, "Looking for Māori actors, tattoos, and criminal records? Welcome!" Exclamation mark. It's written in the, in the actual advert, which uh, Wayne Harpy obviously responded to and got cast. Brilliant. I think that uh, the caliber of casting people in New Zealand is really extraordinary. If you think about who has been discovered by the extraordinary deep searching that happens by by New Zealand casting agents, uh, you think about um, uh, Julian Dennison being being discovered, uh, James Rolleston himself being discovered very, very late in the piece for um, for Boy. Right, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, you know, I think that we have our, our casting people uh, are able to get very deep into a very small country and find talent uh, that nobody's uh, experienced or nobody's nobody's ever discovered before. Um, but we've got what we've also got in, in terms of casting in this this film is we've got a lot of unknowns, but we also have a lot of uh, uh, drama school trained actors. That's right, Toy Fakati graduates and such. That's right. I, and I, I was just about to say I I, I was going to put my Toy Fakati hat on, but I'm not. I'm, I'm actually wearing my Toy Fakati sweatshirt at the moment <laughs> because uh, my day job now is as the marketing and communications manager for Toy Fikati, which is the New Zealand drama school. And we've been training actors for 50 years. Cliff Curtis uh, was a graduate of ours in uh, 1990. And uh, we are now a kind of full service drama school with design degree, uh, um, performing arts management degree. We train costumiers. We uh, are about to train people in set and props. So it's a, it's a on drama school and it's great to, to when you're looking through this list to see 
uh, how many of our graduates are in this film? Kirk Torrance, Miriam McDowell, uh, and um, Yvette Reed is a, uh, the casting director, is a, an acting grad from Toy Fikati. So, you know, the, and, you know, it's, it's a great example of uh, our school's contribution to New Zealand culture as well as, you know, which, which is always good. A film that stands alone. You, you, you said um, in, your, in your review, which is quoted on the cover of this DVD, um, that it is uh, perhaps Cliff's greatest role and, and first New Zealand starring role. Um, I don't know whether you've seen a, a small film called Chicken. <laughs> uh, I'm going to confess to you that... <laughs> this is a terrible film which I saw many years ago in which Cliff plays a crazed assassin out to murder a KFC-esque mogul. <laughs> Yeah, chicken's a chicken is a very. It, it, that's I, I can't wait for the um, for the never repeats podcast uh, to get to chicken, and and I haven't seen chicken. I've never seen it. No, I remember the poster always hanging to, up in Rialto in Wellington though. For some reason that's emblazoned in my mind. I have the soundtrack CD. It's great. It's got some classic um, Kiwi pop from the 60s in, in, on that CD. Even though I haven't seen it, uh, I am fond of Chicken because it was one of the first roles uh, that was uh, for a, a very good friend of mine, uh, the actor John Lee. Who, oh, seeing it. Yeah, he's in, he's in Chicken. He had a, like a, a, about a week's work on that. And, uh, you know, in the days when we didn't make very many feature films in New Zealand, you know. So or certainly in Wellington, we might we might make one film every two years or something yeah, yeah, yeah. here before Peter Jackson's empire got rolling. And so, uh, um, and Grant LaHood, we were we were very excited for for Chicken because Grant LaHood was and still is a, a, a great a talent. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I, my story about Chicken is that I was uh, working behind the candy bar at. The Paramount Movie Theatre, uh, while that film was being was in production, and I uh, it was it was a, it was a weekday afternoon, a very slow afternoon, and I was you know rolling ice creams for the evening session, etc. And 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 Cliff turns up to watch a movie in character. In his chicken costume, not his chicken, he wasn't dressed crazy, as a chicken. Like his overcoat and craziness. <laughs> yeah. And he hadn't cleaned his teeth for weeks and he hadn't washed his hair for weeks. He was methoding this character and he came in and he was terrifying. And the thing is that I knew him vaguely from Wellington Theatre days back in the sort of uh, early 90s when he was doing show- I saw his grad production at, at oh, Toy cool. awesome. uh, He was uh, in the Cherry Orchard, uh, Chekhov's Cherry Orchard. And we, you know, I'll come back to that story a little bit later on. But no, like I knew him and he pretended, acted, awesome. as they do, not to know me. And he was totally in character, and and it was quite terrifying because it was just like you know, as often happens in in Wellington, um, somebody with a uh, uh, kind of random mental health problems wandering into your yeah. into your business to make life difficult for you. Um, he's a genius, like he's so yeah. good. Like I, I mean, me and my wife are just spellbound from the opening moments. So just like wow, you know, of chicken. Was... No, you haven't seen chicken. No, <laughs> so no, back to the dark horse. No, the dark horse. Yeah. I mean, like you know, like and it, it just made me so happy to see this sort of film and and Cliff get this sort of role. I'm like, man, so good. Beginning yeah. to end, you know. Um, and he like he a bit of trivia. He gained twenty seven kgs the role. Like he's like he's a full on guy. Like he's a he's like our guy. He's like our De Niro guy, right? He's like super into it. <laughs> and which is a, and actually actually I know that he put on a lot of weight for this uh, this this film. <laughs> unfortunately, he does look like still. Unfortunately, he looks like he's got a pillow up his jumper. A little bit, yeah. yeah. Little, in certain certain shots, yeah. yeah. I did wonder that, if that was yeah. That was going to be my question. I was wondering if he actually. <laughs> Put on all that weight in his in his book of war. He put on a lot. He put on a lot, but I, there. there may have been reshoots. That's the other thing. Is that it's possible that he may have they may have had to come back. Yeah, yeah. That's that's what I, was, I thought too. Um, as far as casting goes, I don't know whether Xavier Horan is a um, I'm not entirely sure how to pronounce his name. Uh, a graduate of Fikari, but I did not recognise him at all. And the opening credits played, and I was like. Xavier Horan, like from the Deadlands, and I remember him on a TV show called The Market, which is really cool with Nathaniel Lees, but uh, he's Jedi, and I was like, oh, man, I didn't recognize him, because usually he's got his shirt off. <laughs> like, he was all sort of skinny and bearded, 
just you know it's a real acting a real actor's acting film like it's all about performance. Uh, it, it is it is very much about performance and and the great john lee uh, appears he is and he didn't tell me he didn't tell me he was going to be in it so i watched I, I i was lucky enough to be at the uh world premiere of this film at the civic because it opened the new zealand international film festival that year and i was lucky enough to get a ticket and very much enjoyed it uh but yeah no johnny didn't tell me he was in it the rat bag <laughs> but in terms of casting i i and casting unknowns and I, I just want to extend that to casting of children because i think that's another real strength of new zealand cinema that uh we cast and direct and and acting coach children particularly well like i thought that all of the kids in this film were fantastic yeah, I mean, that, that was one thing I wanted to get into is the, the, the children in the movie. Like, the, the film follows this group of children uh, as they prepare for a tournament, a chess tournament in, in Auckland. And it's funny because it's kind of it's kind of almost an aside to the real story with James Rolston and the gang life and, and the regret of his father and, and um, you know, his uncle is, is Cliff Curtis's character. Uh, but I was kind of like, you know, every time those children came on screen, me, me and my wife were, like, lit up. Like we just loved them. They were so good. All those, all those characters. Like, there's a little fat kid, but he's got such a face of determination. And there's like the little tiny little one, but he's got this really strong voice when they're doing the haka. It turns into a, it turns into um, a Disney sports movie, <laughs> yeah, yeah, doesn't yeah. it? For a little while, it's like it's, it's it goes from once were warriors to the mighty ducks, <laughs> and then back again. That's the exact note I have. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm I'm kind of uncritical of this film because I loved it so much. But that's the one, like the one. If I had to say, if someone said, "Well, what's wrong with this film?" I'd be like, "It's not like it's wrong. It's just that that would because I love sports movies. If if that was more because I don't they don't explain the chess, the moves and stuff that well because you know you've only got a, short, a limited amount of time. But if if they explained then we got really into what they're doing, it would be interesting. But because I you know I love sports films. But what's interesting is like in that moment where they're playing that game and it's the final. And it's not James Rolson's character. It's um, the other guy whose name I've forgotten. Um, you know, they they send Genesis out because he's he's too excited, and we 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 follow we come out with him. Like that's a great choice. I'm like, oh, yeah. we we don't see the game. It's like the coach. The coach. <laughs> the, co- the, co- the coach has been has been sent off. He's been sent to the stands, or he's you know he's been expelled from the from from the ice rink or whatever it is. But the what's I think really neat about uh, about about that and I think it works in a New Zealand context is that uh, th- that abrupt shift of tone I think is more acceptable to an audience here because we we get or we are we can appreciate both environments yeah it's not necessarily a shift too much in my mind because <coughs> yes it's me. a bit like sports film but it's mm. also quite serious because these kids these are at-risk kids mm. you know and they've, they've come together uh, what was the word that um Kirk Johnson's Noble's character uses um, stability, right? There's always they've come back, they've come together for this moment of stability in their lives. So you understand it's something serious because because I don't think that it's not it's never it's never um, gone into. But I reckon they're all experiencing the same level of sort of gang or abusive things in their lives. They're I think sort of, they're, I think they're, they're all at risk. I think is would it would be a fair would be a fair comment. And the fact that uh, some of the parents pull them out of the club when they realize that genesis is the um the guy that's that's looking after them and you know they're, mm. they're concerned obviously uh about uh about his stability that's right yeah because he because they one of the parents finds out that he's sleeping rough right so that, that's a that's yeah. a big issue for him yeah um andrew you wrote down mighty ducks do you have anything to add about the sports element uh just that i love the uh <laughs> i've just got rungy who was the little girl who was playing chess very, very intensely. That's right. I kind of thought she was going to make it through to the next round. Yeah, yeah. But then when she lost and she just stood up and said, fuck. <laughs> just loved it. <laughs> it was just like, yeah, I think that goes to the, the casting of the kids. They were all so alive and they all were just those characters. They didn't feel like they were acting or anything. No. There were so many moments, right? Set, Sorry? There are so many moments where they're in their practice and like, you know, they're like, did you fall asleep or did you forget or stuff? And I'm like, are, are they acting or did they actually fall asleep and forget? Like, are they into the, you know, everyone just seemed like they were having a good time on set, as far as I could tell. Well, and w- that scene where um, Cliff has them come up and pick a oh, piece man. from his chessboard. So 
that will sort of represent them that will that they'll take away and bring back to be part of the family again. I thought that was a phenomenal scene. It was it was a great encapsulation of who those kids sort of were and supposed to be and, and just and the way that they interacted with the board and with Cliff at that point. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it, 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 it kind of makes me angry at how talented James Napier um, Robinson is. Like, he's, he's the same age as us. The guy's, he just seems like an old soul. Like, he's got, he's got years of thinking inside. I, his I, I thought watching this uh, the first, second, and third time that, <laughs> that, that, this, that Rolleston was going to be an absolute um, star. The, the, the intensity, mm. you know, that, having gone from boy... Mm. Where he was so charming to this, where he really had some intensity, heartbreaking performance, uh, and which is why pork pie was so disappointing for me was, because yeah. I, I really felt like some something had gone wrong there in terms of how he was being um, coached or he was being sent out of uh, into into a, I don't know away from his uh, range. Really. Look, I, I worked on pork pie. I was I was part of the press production team on that. And I hope I hope this doesn't preclude me from getting more work in the industry. But uh, James Rolston's talents are wasted in that movie. I mean, he, he's got that one scene in the film in in, in Popeye where he talks about his mother, and he's great, comes yeah. alive. You know, I'm like, oh, that's that's the scene. But the rest of it is supposed to be this jovial, fun-loving guy, which he he does a fine job of. But I don't know whether that's where his strength lies. His strength is in stuff like this, you know, like, and the rehearsal. Have you seen the rehearsal? He's pretty good in that too. Yeah. yeah, I I slept through the rehearsal twice. <laughs> I'm sorry a, to say. Is that a is that a you the, the No, I've the slept break. I've slept through I've slept through better films than that. Let me tell you, I no, I in fact this week this very week I have slept through <laughs> the first two episodes of Twelve Monkeys. <laughs> And so and we've gone. Ah, oh, you know, maybe that's a sign that we shouldn't pers- persevere with this one. And so we started watching um, American Gods, and I slept through the first two episodes of American Gods as well. But we are persevering with that one. But no, seriously, if I start watching something after nine o'clock at night, I'm gone. I can't do it. So the rehearsal might be might be a standing work. Yeah, but I mean, he's. I mean, there's that one scene in this film with James Rolston where he's. You know, his whole thing is that he's he's going to become a, a patched gang member within the realms of the story, um, and uh, and and Genesis that, kind of wants yeah, because it's what his dad wants to look after him, right? That's right. I mean, it's interesting though because Wayne Harpy's performance is so heartbreaking. Like every his every movement of his and every every word he utters is just full of regret, even though he's still continuing on this path where Genesis wants to break that cycle. <clears throat> but but um, you know, J- James Rawson's character ends up following Genesis around, like wanting to be a part of the team, part of the chess club thing, you know, get well, away from his, his instincts are all that this is that, that actually where what his dad wants for him is not gonna is well, not no. good for him. Exactly. And yeah, and and, and he has a scene where Genesis is sleeping rough and then he, he ends up hanging out at the same monument where Genesis sleeps at. And there Genesis and the team are off to play Chess in Auckland, and, and, and James Rolson's character has decided he can't be part of it because that's the same week and he's going to be patched up. But he's there at the monument, and he has this moment with Cliff's character. They, he breaks down and cries, and it was just like... It's beautiful, isn't it's it? It's beautiful and heartbreaking. Like I was just like, oh, man, this film I, really got I, me. <laughs> I, think, I think knowing what I know about uh, the filmmaking process and, uh, and, 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 and what a little bit more now, uh, having worked at the drama school at Toy Ficati, that about what what actors respond to, I get the feeling that having, being able to to do that scene uh, opposite Cliff will have made a huge um, difference to his ability to pull that 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 performance out. Um, I was lucky enough to interview um, Cliff and James uh, while I was in Auckland for the for the premiere, and uh, we'll. Hopefully, we will. If I can send you a link, we'll put a link in the show notes to that because it was an interesting interview be- between the two of them. Like, um, I guess uh, um, one person who is a, a veteran and one person just starting out. Mm. Um, and there was there was something very interesting that came out of that conversation with with Cliff, and that was about Maori cinema and how mm. I, I I asked him, you know, in all the years that he'd been involved in New Zealand film what what he thought the biggest change was and and his uh, answer was that that um, the funding bodies well funding body the one, <laughs> the one. Um, have have started to recognize where new, where the best New Zealand stories are and he said they're from Māori 
<laughs> yeah, and it's a big call, but yeah, well, it's a big call, but it's a it's it's actually if you, you know the evidence is it's hard to refute. Yeah, no, it's interesting because the, that sort of reminds me of when me and Andy discussed Utu in season one, and you know we we saw we've me and Andy have seen Jeff speak, and we're talking about like how Utu is was seen as very contentious. You know, and we watch it we watch it now, and we think. What's contentious? And I guess it's, it was the Māori issues in the film, which are like fantastic, right? You watch it and like, this is great. You know, the brother against brother and the Māori versus Pākehā issues in there, I guess, were contentious in 1982. But now, like, you'd be like, I mean, River Queen, we, we discussed River Queen in the last episode, like, the Māori land wars and, you know, Māori land issues are perfect for filmmaking ideas, right? Like, that's, that's a great realm of storytelling. I mean, it's, it, conflict is essential. It's drama, is conflict, there's conflict there. It yeah. seems crazy that that would be contentious in any way. Like, just, that's the story. Go get it. <laughs> well, that's right. And somebody and somebody really needs to make a, a, a big budget feature film about Parihaka. I guess, and this is a, a question I want to throw over to, to you two guys, because I, I, I have a very strong opinion about this, about how, about why this film... Oh, one of the reasons why this film appealed to me so much, and that is, I, 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 did you feel like it was a Maori story? Andrew, go. Yeah, I've, I've been having some interesting thoughts on this. Uh, it, for one thing, I liked that there were hardly any white people in this movie. <laughs> that was actually are there any? Is John Lee to see on screen, especially in New Zealand film, and it was yeah very much a Maori story. It was. At the same time, and I think it's just because of what's happening more in America at the moment, I, I don't want New Zealand stories about Māori to follow the what seems to be a lot of the American films about the African-American experience where they're either slaves or gangsters. <laughs> or rappers. Or rappers. If that makes sense. Yeah, I guess I don't know. I'm not sure what the New Zealand equivalent of of slaves or gangsters. I mean, I guess. Well, I mean, like with the you know, once were warriors and that the whole the gang life. It's got to be done. I mean, I'm coming at this from a middle class straight white male experience, so <laughs> I don't really know what I can add to that conversation. No, I, I mean, it's what you say is right. Like, if if you are going to make a gang story, you've got to make it resonant. You've got to make it work and i would argue that the dark horse does a good job of that the the gangs are a large important f- part of the story um i wouldn't i mean I absolutely would... i'm not disputing that i'm just sort of i was thinking i think more in a macro sense yeah and like i i know what you mean like we wouldn't want every story that features Mario to just be like a gang crime story that's fun because it's got shooting in it like that wouldn't be well, good. not even that but that then that's the only experience that gets uh shown yeah exactly exactly no, I agree. Um, st- funnily enough, as we record this, these never go out on a timely manner, but Stan Walker, New Zealand um, actor and musician, uh, Stan Walker has recently released a new music video. And he did a great interview on Radio NZ about why he, he wanted to do this. And it was all about how, you know, whenever you turn on the TV, like the stories he hears about people that look like him, Marty's and Pacific Islanders are, are negative stories. Like, you know, a young Marty man accused of crime, murder, whatever it is. And he was like, you know, yeah, that's not what we are. You know, we're, we're more than that. And so he made this video where he's in like full Māori costume and they're riding horses on the beach and it's, there's hakas and it's, it's, it's great. It's beautiful. I love the music video. It's fantastic. And, you know, what? it's funny because I was thinking about the Dark Horse in the exact same way. I'm like, you know, this is a great story. You know, the story that needed to be told about this guy and is helping this kids out. And it's not a, a stereotypical story. I'm, I always find it difficult, that term... Maori story. I mean, it's a, it's a. I mean, it is because it features Maori people, I guess. But I think the reason why the film worked for me is because it's a good story, well told. Like you know. Yeah, but I think I, I think it I think it is that I think it is a good story, well told. But I think it is also it it is considerably, it has a, a resonance in the New Zealand context, which is perhaps why mm. we loved it, but it wasn't that successful. Overseas, like I, I remember, the very first reviews yeah, really. that came out for, for uh, American reviews started to talk about Cliff as poten- as Oscar potential. Mm. You know, like mm. there, 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 there were people that were really um, bowled over by it, but and and it's kind of an Oscar bait performance in that in that sense. Except it it, it just didn't just didn't happen. I thought really there was then. a timing issue with that. I thought there was some weird thing because it came out very early in the year. Well, it was released in December. Was it? February of 2016. Yeah. Um, and it was released in like 
October, I think, or something, what was it, of, of 2014 New Zealand. So there's a weird discrepancy of timelines. But, but I mean, beyond all that, I mean, I was looking at, I was looking at the rollout in America and it's, it had a, throughout the entire 2015, it had like many cinema releases for festival screenings and then it had a wider release in 2016, but only like 10 screens. So I'm like, I don't know how yeah, you... Yeah, so somebody didn't, somebody, <laughs> somebody uh, wanted to pigeonhole it as a, as a particular kind of film rather than uh, allowing it to find a yeah. bigger a bigger audience i think whereas in new zealand we did respond to it on on multiple levels and i think that uh something that i have learnt over the two and a bit years that i've been at toifikari because toifikari uses maori frameworks maori tikanga maori right, right, right. um philosophies uh not just to inform not not just on a cultural level but to actually inform the way we work together as a as a group as a team mm. with the way we meet the way we engage with each other the way we connect mm. uh, and once a year the entire school decamps to a little village near Gisborne oh, right. uh, cool. for cool. Uh, Noho where we all um, sleep in the uh, in in the Faranui and we uh, work together and we uh, and, and we connect and and it is it's an extraordinary thing and it does connects us to where these ideas have come from you huh. know so it, I, I went for the first time this year to Manatuke and I, I watching rewatching uh, the Dark Horse today. After having been to Manatuke, after actually having been to Gisborne for the first mm. time, I see layers in you this film yeah. that I hadn't seen before. And also, I particularly loved how effortlessly it weaves Māori um, philosophy, Māori uh, uh, history and myth-making into the chess. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. Yeah? Like, it's, mm. it's, it's spectacular, and it's, and it's I think... A, and, and but what I what I what I might have thought in 2014 when I saw it first time was that this felt it, it didn't feel effortless then. Right. right. But knowing um, people from that region and knowing people from uh, from rural New Zealand Māori, this it, it did not strike me as strange today at all. This is how they talk. Yeah. No. I I, mean, I didn't think it was strange at all. I, I actually I loved it. I thought it was brilliant the way that they incorporated uh, Māori, I mean, Genesis talks about Māori mythology almost constantly throughout the film, especially in relation to um, the pieces of the chessboard. Uh, and it's and it's so beautiful the way that he does that. It made me think of, um, it made me think of chess as an art form, you know, like as a, as a and it's interesting, like uh, my wife works for an, an, an organisation that, that deals with mental health issues and, and getting art and artistic endeavours to people with within mental health issues or within the prison system, people that don't have access to arts. And it's like, you know, I never looked at chess in that way. Like I like this is a very artistic expression of one's inner self, you know? It's really and the way he does it with Māori language and Māori myth just seemed I'd never thought about chess in that way and it seemed easy and perfect. <laughs> like, uh, I thought it I thought it was superb. <laughs> yeah. And I also thought that uh, that chess is I think a very uh, a kind of natural game to for Maori to adopt in in the sense of you know a f uh, a, a, f a formally tribal warfare you right, know right, based right. culture you know it's a they the, the the ideas of strategy and the ideas of uh, are, are not they're embedded in their own. It's the way the way he described the game himself was. The community. He talked about like he talked about like protecting and gathering everyone up together and protecting them, the king and yeah. being together as a community. I was like, wow, that's great. You know, like I was like, that's some good storytelling. Well, we should we yeah. should probably start wrapping it up. Yeah, I've got I've got a couple more things that I wanted to, wanted to um, ask you guys about, and one is wow, we're being interviewed, Andrew. Yeah, <laughs> interviewed on one, our own podcast. Yeah, you you don't get off too easy. <laughs> Uh, one is uh, how does how do you think it sort of fits into uh, I mean uh, do you, do you consider that it fits into uh, um, the genre of chess movies because there are, there is a there, there are a few films that are kind of that, that use chess as a metaphor and there are actually even films that that, that use chess as a way. Uh, like I'm thinking of a film that I particularly love from 1994 called Fresh, which was about a, a young New York boy who discovers uh, speed chess in right. Central Park and uh, uh, and 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 
that becomes a vehicle for him to escape his own troubled uh, right. home life. Much like, right? much like so, Star much Wars. like this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. The, that's the first film directed by uh, Boaz Yakin, and uh, oh, it's right. a film that I, right. yeah. If you if you can find it somewhere, I really recommend it. We played it at the Paramount in '94 when when it when it came out, and I have always loved it. Yeah. Remember the Titans, right, Boaz Yakin? Um, uh, well, I, I can easily, I can answer that very quickly because I don't think I actually know any chess films, sorry, at this point. Um, but it's weird because uh, chess is obviously a useful metaphor within the realms of the movie, but I felt it's almost like an afterthought. I mean, I know it's a, he's about a chess player, but, you know. Yeah, the, I, don't think the, you <laughs> I don't think you could have told Genesis' story without it. No, no, no. But but I mean, like, you know, the meat is, is in James Rolston's escape from his gang life i mean obviously the chess is integral to that but i wouldn't this is, i wouldn't necessarily call this a sports movie in that sense like it's all it's quite it's much more psychological in the fact that like i said you know the in the climax of the chess game we're not even there um talking of uh, sorry talking uh, of the Andy answer as well oh yes yeah, sure. <laughs> that's right sorry no i was just looking at um uh, chess movies and seeing if i'd seen any and I've, I've not really seen any either so but there was the uh the disney film that came out last year uh Queen of Cutway. Yeah, I'm just looking at that myself. Be an interesting one to compare to the Dark Horse. I never heard of it. Yeah, and and just looking at the just looking at the the, the synopsis there, the film depicts the it's a, based on a true story once again. Uh, depicts the life of uh, Fiona Mutesi, a Ugandan girl living in a slum in Katwe who learns to play chess and becomes a woman candidate master after her performance at the World Chess Olympiads, and that's a Disney ESPN uh, film. And it actually, uh, awesome it, uh, <laughs> ESPN sports film. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Directed by Miran Nair, so actually oh, that's wow. on, that's on my awesome. yeah on my. my my list uh, to watch this year is uh, in my 52 films by women as well so um, but but chess does seem to be that kind of it, it does get used a little bit and and interestingly both uh, the films we we're just talking about uh, based on true stories so you can't really say that it's necessarily um, right sloppy writers <laughs> going cho choosing the choosing the same um, cheap uh, yeah. metaphor uh, but yeah that idea that chess is a vehicle for intelligent um, sensitive articulate young people out of a troubled situation into some into another world which is fantastic because you know growing up chess seemed like something for fancy people you know, like, it's good. That, like, you were a draftsman, weren't you, right? <laughs> yeah, I was a draftsman. No, I played chess as a little kid too, but it was I was very nerdy. I wouldn't tell people at school I played chess. Um, but uh, it's great when they go to Auckland and, like, it's, like, fancy. It looks like fancy schools. <laughs> and they're, and they're not a school, right? Everyone's in, like, a school uniform and they turn up the, the ragtag bunch. And I was like, yes! I love that scene. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> ah, it's the Mighty Ducks. <laughs> yeah, it's the Mighty Ducks. <laughs> so, again, it all comes back to the Mighty Ducks. <laughs> Um, I've got one more thing that I wanted to, and you, this might be on your list of things to talk about, but and that is what where people can see it right. still. And because uh, I, I realized that I don't own a, a copy of the DVD that has my name on it, and I really should deal with some, <laughs> deal with that. I actually, my uh, just a, about a month ago, I was at the warehouse in Upper Hutt shopping for something else, and my attention was, uh, was, was caught by the fact that the Dark Horse DVD with my name on it was only ten bucks, and I thought I really. <laughs> seeing as seeing as those buggers didn't bother to send me one, I should probably buy one. Who's <laughs> going to the counter like that's me? That's me on the cover. Discount? Can I get a discount? <laughs> um, and then I thought, well, actually, I'm a Blu-ray buyer. I don't buy DVDs anymore, and it's not on Blu-ray in New Zealand. It is on Blu-ray, isn't it? I thought it was. I thought is I, it? Thought I looked it up. Oh, maybe I'm wrong. Oh, I looked it up, and I, the only one I could find was German. Okay, <laughs> maybe it is only in German. It doesn't have my name on the cover. It is a problem because, like, films of New Zealand films, especially, only are only recently getting uh, Blu-ray releases, which is great. Um, you know, uh, but physical media is pretty old-fashioned. I mean, that's sort of the realm of me and you and Andy. Not even Andy. Andy's Andy travels around the world. So Andy's Andy's like he wants to carry nothing. Nothing. Um, yeah, I've I've had to go digital uh, streaming out of necessity more than anything. But most people do. Like you sort of suggest. Like I mean, I, I'm I, I talk to people that are that are from New Zealand that have gone to Cannes, and they you know usually they hand out DVDs of New Zealand films to prospective distributors and now they're all like we don't want that we have no way of playing that like it's kind of it's becoming more and more old-fashioned uh but this film is available um on the new zealand on demand side but i think only in new zealand and you don't have access to it do you um i didn't even check actually i was able to get it from um 
Amazon streaming right, for right. £3.50. Right. So this, this one did well enough that it's gone on a streaming site. Like there are certain films like we discussed Jubilee recently and I think River Queen as well. Like none of those, those aren't available. Like if it's, a, if it's a New Zealand film that hasn't done well either critically or financially, then it's just not available. But this one did a right yeah, well, critically. I, I managed to get Jubilee on uh, the New Zealand iTunes. Oh, that's right. ITunes you did. That's New right. Zealand, so that was, that was okay. But I mean... Yeah, River Queen, for example, wasn't even available on New Zealand iTunes. I think there's right, there's rights issues often with stuff like available. that, but it's it's arbitrary. I don't know what, I don't know who makes decisions on what's available and what's not. Yeah, the New Zealand the New Zealand uh, DVD uh, by mail site Fatso does not list a Blu-ray for the Dark Horse. Okay, so probably I was making that up. Maybe I was thinking the the Deadlands. Yeah, Deadlands does okay. does have a Blu-ray. I own that. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I think I own it too. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, we, we and Andy had a whole episode dedicated to how people watch movies now. It's, uh, I mean, physical media is, I think, essentially dead unless you're a collector. Yeah, uh, and you, <laughs> but the thing is that you, you know it's really hard to get a director to autograph a download. <laughs> <laughs> and there's no, there's no, there's no special features on 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 streaming sites like. Some of my favourite things are special features on various DVDs I own, Blu-rays I own, you know. There is one. There is one. We can talk about this in the After Dark or maybe at dinner later on because we don't want to bore our, our our listeners with it. But Filmstruck, if you ever... Oh. Uh, it's only available in the USA at the moment. Oh, okay. But um, Filmstruck is uh, a joint venture uh, between uh, Criterion and TCM. Right. And that does have oh, a yeah, lot of the Criterion um, extras on it. Yeah, I mean, that was something I was thinking about today. The, the, I mean, the, I need to watch it, but there's some extras on the DVD, the Dark Horse, that look good. I'm thinking, and they made me think about, like, oh, this wouldn't be available anywhere else. Mm. The only place it's available. Yeah. Uh, we didn't talk about Cliff's hair. He's got a weird haircut, but we should really start wrapping up the podcast. Yeah, but I think that that, 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 that hair, like like a lot of his uh, appearance, would have come from the... Because uh, the, there, there was a documentary made, was. wasn't there, uh, called yeah. Dark Horse. Uh, about the real Genesis Portini, and I think that that might be available on mm. on somewhere. Like I, I, I think it's on NZ on screen or bits right. of it. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I watched I watched not parts available of, over here. So I, I watched parts of that, um, and it just seems like he has like a big. His hair is quite big. It doesn't. It doesn't seem shaved in the front and long at the back. Oh, okay. Um, well, maybe that's <laughs> maybe that's an artistic license then on the part of on the part of Cliff. I deliberately didn't watch that documentary because I. I actually, even though I know that this has been inspired by a real story, I sort of wanted it to let it. I wanted to let this story stand on its own two feet. I didn't want to yeah, be yeah, constantly yeah. comparing. You do and, that, and 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 it, and it earned a place in my heart as a result. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Um, I, I have a strong suspicion. I don't know because I haven't watched all that documentary whether the brother stuff is real. That's I think great. A, yeah, <laughs> I, I know. I think I, I, I think a lot. There's been a lot of invention. Yeah, yeah. Which is fine. It's it's a it's a great film in its own. I just thought we'd bring up the hair because we seem to discuss Cliff's hair in every episode. Uh, well, I made a special note of this one. Yeah, weird. But it was you know like a backside mohawk, extreme mullet. <laughs> a, back, a backside mohawk, extreme mullet. Great. And his front teeth are missing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Don't... I thought that was um, that's some really good makeup work. Or I thought you know, Cliff I thought... knocked his teeth out. I thought makeup was fantastic all the way through. The the, the the scar, the, there's various sort of scars and lumps and what have you as a result of violence. You don't often see violence in the film; it's implied all the way through, but you see the results of it. That's true. Yep, they they did. Yeah. Um, they were nominated for um, uh, makeup, but they did not win. Uh, they were nominated for a whole bunch of awards. They were nominated for cinematography, production design, costume, makeup, editing, and sound. Um, and supporting actor for Wayne Harpy, who's his first role, and he did a great job. Um, but they they won a, a slew of awards in New Zealand Film Awards. They've also won a bunch of awards overseas, but I didn't write them all down. Uh, best Film, Best Director, Best Screenplay, Best Actor for Cliff Curtis, Best Supporting Actor for James Ralston, and um, Best Score for Dana Lund. I think, yeah, I, I really I really feel like this, this film is one of, as I say, on the DVD cover, it is one of the great New Zealand films. It really, it, yeah, it is, it is. Uh, what does well, it mean? Going back, actually, just to something that Rajiv talked about at the very start of this episode about not having seen The Dark Horse, mm. I also hadn't seen The Dark Horse until this point, but that was because I was overseas, and it was actually, it came out in a year of great New Zealand films. It did, yes. not only The Dark Horse in 2014, but we had The Deadlands, what we do in the shadows and housebound. 
That's right. And a documentary. And I was really gutted to be overseas and not being able to watch these films. Yep, it was a, it was a it was a really 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 great year. Film. We also had a documentary called um, Hip Hop Operation, which was fantastic about a, a group of elderly um, hip hop dancers that go to America to like think they've got an average age of ninety. <laughs> I have one more thing that I want to add just before we go. And actually, um, uh, your editor Jeremy may be able to uh, come to my come to my aid here once again. And that is that this film has one of the great. Uh, appearances or the great uses of New Zealand music and that is there's a there's a, a sequence where they're driving into Auckland mm. and we hear uh, Fakaria Mai by uh, Prince Tui Teka uh, yeah. and which is not on iTunes I just tried to buy it this afternoon actually and uh, for some reason Prince Tui Teka one of the great New Zealand performers uh, is not well represented on iTunes mm. but you can find it on YouTube so I, I, I think what we should probably do this episode and if it was my show this is how we would do it <laughs> is we would play ourselves out with uh, with uh, Prince Tui Tekka's Fakadi and Mai because it, it builds to such a beautiful soaring uh, moment just as they as they go, go over the hill and see the sky tower and it just it's, I, it, for, a, for a New Zealander it really it, it, it just makes your heart soar it is it is a great moment. I don't know I don't know how the rights what? rights issues work with that sort of stuff. Just we'll do it. Way. Just do it. Let them find you. Okay. And well, and also actually with that with that moment where they're coming over the hill and seeing the the sky tower, uh, I, I made a note of that because I really loved how it wasn't this grand s- sort of vista of Auckland you saw. You, were, you came over the hill and you were sort of getting glimpses of Auckland through yeah. the trees. So you'd see the sky tower and it would disappear behind a tree. And it would sort of come back, and which I loved. It felt so very, very real. Ge- geographically you, dubious, but yes. Experience I don't know. coming into Auckland or I don't Wellington, know. you come I don't over know. and you see the city and everything, and then it disappears behind a tree. Yeah, which uh, was a really it, nice. It was. I agree. It was. It was a really beautiful view of Auckland because I don't know where they are because I've driven Auckland multiple times, and it's ugly. It's a big, <laughs> ugly motorway, <laughs> and the sky tower is like <laughs> a small speck far in the distance. I'm like, I'd like to go on that road. <laughs> Wherever they are, because that's pretty. <laughs> With print was being serenaded by Prince Tui Tinker. <laughs> yeah. All right, we'll start wrapping it up. And Andrew, do you want to do you want to give us a wrap up? Uh, do I? Okay, sure. Um, I just a couple of quick things that I also wanted to note. Okay. Kind of interesting that they were the two brothers. One was physically ill. One was mentally ill. Um, yes. Very I loved good. that Cliff was sort of so very softly spoken, but was even though he had uh, mental health. Uh, issues or problems uh he was very astute he he yep. you know he yeah. was never shown to be not smart that's right his, his, which is i think sometimes can happen in films with characters with uh with mental, mental health issues mm-hmm. um i loved that even though he was occasionally quite manic there was still that uh stillness that i think i noted with the river queen he's mm. he's i think he's just a very centered sort of actor if that makes sense mm. so i'm going to give uh, this film and the cliff performance, four and a half cliffs each. Four and a half cliffs. Cliff, half a cliff for losing his luscious locks. <laughs> um, I, I love the film. I love the performance. I'm giving both of them five cliffs out of cliffs. So five cliffs out of cliff for the performance, five cliffs out of cliffs for the film. Um, I'd like to note that Araki said, you failed at life. And Cliff is all, and it's clear that Cliff has not failed at life. Cliff has won. Cliff's character has won in life. And Araki has failed in life. Great performance. Hashtag winning. <laughs> Dan, what's your final? I mean, you, you've, you've reviewed this extensively. Uh, look, but... uh, yeah, I don't want to rehash all of that old <laughs> old ground, but um, I, I saw it twice in two weeks uh, when it came out and then uh, once again this afternoon, and I'm so glad that uh, you... Uh, you guys have uh, asked me to sort of go back to it because I saw more in it again this third time. I really think that uh, um, James Napier Robertson is a, a a great talent. I think we all knew that Cliff was a great talent, and I thought that he was. This was um, this could have gone so wrong on <laughs> so many levels, couldn't it? You know, like it, it, it you know, in terms of that kind of Oscar bait. Um, Full retard. So it was again. Um, there we go. Full retard. Uh, but he was beautiful. He's beautiful. Understated. I loved how he let um, other people claim the screen, and I think that that says a great deal about about him. And I thought that uh, uh, as an example of a positive and negative 
um, examples of um, Maori culture and society presented side by side with kind of equal weight. I thought that that was really um, just terrific and, you know, belongs in everybody's collection one way or another. That's right. I'm, 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 I'm going to go buy this. Like, I'm going to go find it and buy it straight away. Like, I was like, it's got to go in the collection. Cool. Do I have to get? Do, do I have to rate it in terms of cliffs, or is that just if, you if guys? If you want to. Okay. Um. Yeah. I. I, I think it, it's a four and a half cliffs, but yeah, just just the um the pillow up the jumper is the only my only problem with it. <laughs> Which might actually just be cliffs belly. We're not entirely sure. Yeah, I know that's what mine looks like. <laughs> I, uh, maybe that's it. Maybe I'm just a little. Maybe it was just a little bit too close to home. <laughs> right. All right, where can we find you, Dan, in projects and what's All right, well, uh, Rancho Notorious, the podcast, is currently on hiatus, which is why it's so uh, such a, a pleasant uh, op- opportunity to sort of get behind the microphone. Uh, so you can get uh, our past episodes at rnz.co.nz forward slash widescreen, which is where my writing lands now. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm doing 52 films by women this year. I'm also re- reviewing the uh, Sight and Sound top 50 films of all time right. uh, I'm way behind on both of those projects by the way uh, and also I every fortnight I do a little uh, conversation with uh, Jesse Mulligan on RNZ Afternoons and talking about whatever takes my fancy as long as it's sort of vaguely cinema related or film related uh, and that's uh, that's a whole lot of fun and the day job yeah I'm marketing and communications manager at Toy Fikati, the New Zealand Drama School on Twitter I'm at Dan Slevin all one word and uh it's all gold. Every piece of content is gold. <laughs> it's, I've, I've seen a lot of it. It is quite, it's quite good. Um, you can find me on the Twitter at Rajivfilm, R-A-J-E-E-V-F-I-L-M, F-I-L-M. Uh, I'm that on Letterboxd as well, which I'm slowly um, accumulating more and more films on. I'm trying to get into it. It's really good. I recommend Letterboxd. Uh, Andrew? Um, I'm on the Twitter, the Instagram, and the Letterboxd as Andy James underscore Inc with a K. And you can find the well, podcast. Because I'm just, I'm just checking that, and that's correct across all three of those. <laughs> you always, you always, man, we're so professional. Well, no, here. Look, I've literally just checked. Andy James underscore and you, should, you shouldn't have to yes, check. You shouldn't have to it. check. Um, I know for sure you, now. You can find the podcast at n at ntzof. That's the N to Z of film. Oh, I can never remember that one. Uh, please like, review, and the N to Z of film. <laughs> that's right. Uh, big shout outs always to Jeremy Veal, our audio engineer, who's probably going to have to do a little bit of work on this episode. Uh, you're the man, Jeremy. Thank you for your great work. Uh, and that's it for this season, right? We'll say goodbye. Uh, well, we might we might have a wrap up episode, but we'll see how we go. We'll see how we go. Thanks for listening. Cheers, Dan. Thanks for being a great thank guest. You, thank you for thank you, Dan. Thank you, thank you for having me in my own house. <laughs> <laughs> Good night. <laughs>